episode of Screen Kings, the podcast where three horror authors, who are also movie fans, talk about the movie adaptations of the books of Stephen King, even though we're breaking that rule slightly today. <laughs> Just slightly. Uh, my name is Jeffrey X. Martin, and I am the author of Black Friday and short stories about you. My co-hosts for this endeavor are the author of the Subdued Trilogy, Thomas Flowers. How do you do, sir? And the author of Salvage and Gristle and Bone, Duncan Ralston. I hope. Today we rifle through the boxes of old comics we had stashed away in the grandparents' attic <laughs> and stumble across a weird little anthology called Creepshow. Five stories written by Stephen King, uh, one actually starring Stephen King, and all directed by George Romero. So we will take a look at the stories collectively and individually after this break. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off. Coming soon. Jolting Tales of Horror. Creep Show. From the author of Carrie, The Shining, and Cujo. And the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. You'll scream at ghastly ghouls. Cringe at weird kids and shiver at the doings of evil doctors. This is going to be extremely painful, Mr. Verrill. Creep show will grab you, grow on you, and give you the creeps. No, this is going to be an entirely new experience. Creep Show, the most fun you'll ever have being scared. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Screen Kings, and we are talking about Creepshow from 1982. Um, as we said, this is an anthology film made up of five different stories, and they're all written and filmed in the uh, rather garish style of the EC horror comics from the 1950s. So the movie starts with what we in the business call a wraparound story or a framing device. <laughs> Hooray for lingo! See, this is just how writers talk. We just use those words. Um, so, so professional. <laughs> right. Anyway, the wraparound features Tom motherfucking Atkins, because he deserves that middle name, as the father of a little boy who's actually played by Stephen King's son, Joe. Um, anyway, the kid's been reading horror comics. Daddy is livid, and he takes the comic out to the trash can. But the, what do you call him, the I guess the mascot of the comic? Yeah, some kind of creeper. Yeah, yeah the creep. <laughs> anyway, he appears at the boy's window, and he's all smiley, so you know that some bad shit is on its way. But we'll talk about that at the end of the movie. <laughs> dun, dun, See, because that's how you wrap it around. <laughs> Frame it. All right, so let's talk about this first the first section, which is called Father's Day. <laughs> and Father's Day is a pure, just revenge from the grave tale, um, as a murdered patriarch comes back from the dead to kill off those who unjustly claimed his estate and to have a snack. Um, <laughs> but it's not flesh and blood he seeks, like a regular zombie. Nope, he just wants some sweet, sweet cake. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, you're laughing. What do you think about Father's Day? Well, you know, as a movie itself, it's nothing too special to it. You know, there's nothing groundbreaking or satiric, you know, about it. But I will say the 15 minutes or so, as long as it lasts, is well worth it just to see Ed Harris dancing to disco. <laughs> I was about to say, that's the groundbreaking aspect. That does take <laughs> Ed Harris dancing. How about you, Duncan? Uh, oh, man. <laughs> it started out okay. Oh, no. The conversation in the drawing room was interesting, I guess, and then just, ugh, dragged on. The whole movie dragged on, but <laughs> this segment, and so many corny things, like the, you know, where he lies underneath the grave as the tombstone is falling on him for a full minute. <laughs> and doesn't move. <laughs> doesn't move, just keeps looking at different things. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> doesn't try to avoid danger at all. Yeah, or like the dead maid that falls against the window and the mother's so terrified that she opens the door and lets it fall out. <laughs> See, now I gotta say something about that. <laughs> that. That scene where the maid falls against the door was one of the first movie scenes that ever really scared my kid. And I... Oh. And it took me fucking weeks to drag it out of him, what was bothering him when he was trying to go to sleep. And finally, he was just like, it was that movie with the lady in the door, and she turned blue. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, he's been he's been terrified by lighting. <laughs> and that happens a lot in this movie, too. Well, it does, and, it's, and it should because of the kind of things that it's based on. Yeah. You know? So it's like when you see... Um, when daddy comes crawling up out of the out of the ground and all of a sudden he's red for some reason she's red and everybody's yeah. red and green it, that, have that, the vertigo thing behind their heads yeah yeah see that makes sense to me within the context of it i think it's hilarious i love that stuff <laughs> yeah i guess as a horror comedy it's okay 
I didn't remember it being a horror comedy. <laughs> I guess I, because I mostly remembered the beach one. I've never thought of this as being a horror comedy ever. Oh. It's okay. You're. I mean, you're allowed. I mean, we'll fight, but that's okay. I just. I never. I never thought this was extremely funny. Maybe the beach went a little bit, but that's just because you can't look at Leslie Nielsen without laughing anymore. Oh man, I thought he was like the darkest part of the movie, dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Because yeah. you know, same that, here. I was gonna say that wasn't always the case. I think he's great yeah. in this. He's just. Mm-hmm. He's not funny. He's nuts. But we'll <laughs> we'll get to that here. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in a minute. So you didn't like Father's Day, did you? Aspects of it. I mean, the, it's it's an, most of these stories are just straight revenge stories, right? Yeah. Pretty much. I don't know. So you were looking for a wider variety. Is that what you're? I guess. Also, the 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 villains are so over the top. Where's my cake? You know. What is so important about that fucking cake? I never, <laughs> you know, dude, it's a cake. You could have one whenever. <clears throat> yeah, you're rich. <laughs> Buy a cake. <laughs> Buy a bakery. Fine. <laughs> do whatever you need to do, but everybody, just relax. <clears throat> um. Okay. Well, crap. Do we have anything else about Father's Day? I really, I really like it. I like that Harris dancing. I like the the blue maid and um. One of the fastest neck cracks I've seen in a movie. <laughs> Tiffica Linfors was great in this segment. Is that? She was uh, the one who, uh, the one who killed Nathan, and she comes back and sits on the grave with Jim, with a bottle of Jim Beam. That's obviously tea. Oh yeah. <laughs> She's good. There's some great acting in that one. It's weird because the script is so corny, but great actors and. Decent acting. Yeah, I never really understood what kind of accent she was doing. <laughs> like Slavic of some sort. It just seemed to change like with every sentence. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I hate you, I hate you. Just went weird on me. All right, so we're, we're kind of divided on this. It seems like you you liked it more than Duncan did, didn't you, Tommy? Yeah, I thought. Are we still on Father's Day? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry, I had to jump out real quick. <laughs> sorry, I, I fell asleep. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, Father's Day was all right. Like it was, it was decent. You know, I wouldn't say it's like a the the best one by far. And but Ed Harris dancing to disco. I mean, as we said before, it was just marvelous. <laughs> it it made up for everything. It's up there with John Claude Van Damme dancing. Yeah. And- yeah. Oh, it's up there with Crispin Glover and. Probably the oh. part four. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Crispin. All right, well, then let's move on from that to the second story, which I'm really interested in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill, in which King himself plays a kind of a backwoods New Englander who happens to be outside when a meteor crashes into his yard. So, unfortunately, what's inside that meteor means the end of Jordy Verrill. Not really a spoiler if you look at the title. Um, and perhaps the world. What do you think about this one, guys? Who's going first? How many you do it? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Um, Just, this is probably my favorite one in this series. Even though... Uh, Something to tide you over is definitely wonderful, but I like the Lonesome Death just because, to me, it was like a perfect balance between comedy and horror, where, you know, just seeing Stephen King playing this kind of goofy redneck, and it's kind of silly, but then it keeps coming, you know, the growth, and it's a wonderful nod, I think, to Color Out of Space as well. 
Yes. I agree completely with that. What do you think, Nugget? Yeah, I'm I'm with you with, with that one. I I like this one. I think Stephen King, surprisingly, he's a decent actor. He's got kind of a Michael Richards thing going on. <laughs> the only thing I didn't like is uh, <laughs> kind of, right? Holy oh, Jesus. <laughs> this is, you know, flamboyant reactions to things. Uh, I just didn't like the Department of Meteors and the doctor's office cutaways, but I did like it a lot more than Father's Day. See, I think those are hilarious. Yeah. I wonder how much I could get for it. Up at the college. <laughs> Which he's never been to the college. He has no idea what the college is actually like. So it actually says the college. Yes. Up at the co- like, people, like going to the Walmart. <laughs> Ooh, meteor shit. <laughs> I think that's probably the most quoted line from this entire movie. Is meteor shit. <laughs> and I, 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 the thing that I like about this particular segment is he doesn't really do anything that anybody in that situation wouldn't do you know I, it's like this thing lands in your shit I'm, I'm gonna touch it um oh it's really hot i better try to cool it down i guess i would have waited for it to cool down instead of dumping water on it because i understand that things break when you do that but i don't know he seemed to be acting in a very natural uh way which kind of surprised me and almost made the end of it a lot more affecting which you don't expect to be affected by something like this but it was was really good i wish king would do more acting if i'm honest (laughs) well he's in the stand isn't he oh who gives a half a second (laughs) (laughs) you know he's in pet cemetery as well yeah oh yeah is he in maximum overdrive yeah he's a salesman i think salesman that's right okay well, good. We'll start, we'll just start looking for him. Just looking for King cameos. <laughs> anyway, I, I like, like this, this one a lot. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Only I wish the ending. You know, maybe he had took a weed whacker to his face or swallowed a bunch of herbicide or something. Jesus. A little darker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He never attempted just to put herbicide. Just a little. On just a little. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he uh, ever tried to make it back outside to the shed. To see if he could, yeah, do something with the meteor. Find some insecticide. Well, <laughs> he'll take care of the meteor up at the college. <laughs> up at the college. Right, story number three, maybe. I don't know. We'll talk about this one. It's called something that tides you over, and it's got a uh, Romero regular Galen Ross from Dawn of the Dead, and the interesting pairing of Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson. Mm. And Ted Danson's hair, which I think is really a fourth character in this <laughs> particular segment. Uh, old Ted's been banging Leslie's wife, and he's not happy about it at all. Uh, he's got murder in mind, and it involves letting these two illicit lovers watch each other drown. It's a little dated, I think, in terms of technology, but I think... <laughs> the VCR. <laughs> but I think... I think the story foundation is still pretty solid, though. Yeah, um, but, Duncan, I think you found this one a little disappointing, didn't you? I remember it much different than it was. I thought there was a part where uh, he, he finds out that it's not a live feed or something like that, and that she's already dead. Was it? Was this one based on a short story? No, this one was straight for the... Uh... Hmm. Sorry for the screenplay. Must be confusing it with something else, because I kept waiting for that to happen, and then it never did. Yeah, I mean, they they mentioned um, the fact that it's 
on rec- the VCR by behind Ted Danson is on record because yeah. you know Leslie wants that for his own personal collection. Uh, go back and revisit that later. But yeah, I didn't remember anything about it being a. Yeah, I thought I thought that it ended up it was on play or something, and he was trying to save her by taking her place or something like that. I'm not sure. Oh, that sounds like Saw too. Oh, uh, maybe. Huh. I don't yeah, know. Mm. Things like that. It's a good one though. Aside from the revenge thing at the end, the ghost revenge. <laughs> what do you have against ghost revenge? <laughs> it just happens so much in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the funniest Ghost Revenge, just because they keep saying the same things over, over and over again. Yeah. So it's like, not only is it Ghost Revenge, but they're like Amway salespeople. You know? <laughs> we need Come on. Come to the beach! We need you to come to the beach! No, seriously, come to the beach! No. <laughs> like you're still underwater. And the actual ending is like, Badia, 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 that's all, folks. I can breathe, or I can hold my breath forever. <laughs> right? But then he makes that face, and the face the face makes it okay. <laughs> what do you think, Tommy? Chime in here, bro. Well, just like seeing other movies with Leslie Nielsen probably added to the creep factor in this one. I mean, for me, yeah, because what I remember him best is, you know, the Naked Gun series, Airplane, you know, and he's just so serious in this, you know, it's... It's really dark, and there's like moments where he's he kind of breaks from that into even more like where he's watching them drowned, and they're kind of she's his wife's kind of calling his name, and um, he kind of looks down like he's kind of guilty or maybe he shouldn't have gone to this far, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> and then of course Ted Danson's hair speaks up and says, <laughs> "You know, I'm gonna get you," you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes back into his character, you know, of this guy who has it all because he's a VCR salesman. And I imagine VCR salesmen at the time felt like they could do anything they wanted. Kings <laughs> of the world, my friend. <laughs> and arcade games. <laughs> yeah, that was good. There was some bad things, you know, like, you know, at the end. And, yeah, they do – they kind of overplay the whole zombie undead is coming to get you. But it's not a mystery or a thriller at all. It's just you know horror comedy. I think it's I think it's funny how when once they start trying to get into the house after they're already dead, whereas a normal movie you would have like the dogs would be barking or the bird would be squawking something like that. In this one, the fish are really upset. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Some other water-based creature is here. God, swim faster. And they seemed really decayed for the little amount of time that they were out there. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> That's true. Like, it looks like her eyes are sewn shut, and they're barely opening their mouths. I think the maybe Savini went a little too far. Yeah, I think, well, <laughs> who knows how long he was in the grave for that one, but I think maybe Savini went a little bit too far in uh, <laughs> this <Big> one. <laughs> they were, well, they were very kelpy. Yeah. yeah. I appreciated that, just all the seaweed and capsule. But you're right, yeah, they'd been down there for a while. I still remember this one as being like more of a suspense thing, a suspense thriller like The Ledge for some reason. But huh. well, that's, I don't know. Oh, we're, not, we're not too far from talking about that, I don't think. Uh, yeah, another few years. Yeah, yeah, we get into Cat's Eye. All right, so let's, are, are we finished with this one? I mean, it's kind of like the centerpiece of the of the movie. Yeah, it it should have it's opened the longest the one too. 
30 minutes. Yeah, it would have been long, good. just as long, isn't it? I don't know. Is the crate the longest one? It felt fucking long. Oh, it felt yeah, it fucking forever. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> maybe, get into that then. <laughs> maybe Jordy, the loathsome death, should opened it and then had Father's Day somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it might have been too comedic though. This the something to tide you over has comedy and suspense and horror. Oh, okay. Yeah, if, if you think okay. of the if you think of the last half of the movie becoming progressively darker, which it does, then that's a pretty good place to sit, something to tide you over because it's got both of those elements. Huh? So it's like, yeah. ah, wacky, wacky, oh, Jordy, meteor shit, and then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> you know, fuck. Here's this horrible thing and this monster, and it's crazy. <laughs> so this next, the next segment is The Crate, which is based on a short story that came out in 1979, actually. And it's um, been released in six different print anthologies, but never a King collection. Ah, that's why I'd never read it before. I've got it in an old Bill Pronzini anthology. Mm. Is it the same? Yeah. Huh. Yep, exactly the same. So anyway, this one is, um, there's this old crate that a janitor accidentally discovers at the archaeology department of a college, <laughs> up at the college. and um, Same college. <laughs> they, anyway, what's inside the crate is, is giant and has a lot of teeth and leads to a rash of bloody murders, and it also provides a way for a professor uh, to make his life ever so much better. Um, also, the thing in the crate is named Fluffy. <laughs> so this one's got another kind of powerhouse cast. You've got Hal Holbrook, uh, Fritz Weaver, and Adrienne Barbeau as just an absolute shrike. She's oh. horrible. Yeah, you pretty much wanted to kill her in this one. Oh, just from the get-go, just as soon as you see her. She's a drunk, and she's an well, and she's an obnoxious drunk. She has her nose in everybody's business, and she keeps Hal Holbrook down, just like the man, you know, does to the rest <laughs> of us. So, yeah. I, I I guess the main thing about uh, let's let's start here the the creature in this one. What do you think about the creature design? What do you think about shit that's inside of a crate? Is is that what you automatically think of? No, I yeah, was expecting yeah, something else. <laughs> yeah, totally. And how, why had, why did it not get out of the crate before? Well, there was no magical incantation or anything like that that kept it in the crate. It was just a fucking chain. <laughs> Apparently, and yet it, it understood it end. understood its boundaries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like Harry and the Hendersons with teeth. Yeah, <laughs> from the movie Critters. Oh yeah, just a giant version of that. <laughs> <laughs> It was pretty goofy looking. The story was pretty dark, but every time I panned to the creature, I was like, and the ball drops. <laughs> See, I like the creature better than the story. I think this is oh, the weakest. Yeah. This is the weakest. I like the story. I like that whole, you know, Hal, Hal, Rook, Hal Rook or whatever, fantastic actor, and I love his um, his imaginations. Like, every time he's going to kill his wife, you know, like shooting her in the head. No, dear, everything's just fine. <laughs> I thought those are fantastic. That probably would have made a better short, though. Yeah, it's a, it's such a weird plan. So uh, th- it, one of his associates comes in with blood all over him, talking about a monster in a crate, and he's like, "Maybe I'll use that to kill my wife." It makes no sense. What was he gonna do if there was no monster? And why did he believe? Him? 
Well, no harm, no foul. I mean, if you go down there and there's no monster, hey, we found a box. I'll have to figure something else out. I do like it when the monster um, eats the janitor. That's funny to me because, again, you've got well, you've got all the red and green lighting that oh, is, yeah, that yeah. just infests this film. So when he's bleeding, you really can't tell because of all the red light. It looks like they just dumped coffee on him. Yeah, I thought I thought that they ran out of fake blood or something. <laughs> he's got a coke. Just dump a coke on him. Yeah. He'll be fine. Oh man. Yeah, I thought it was um, that Fritz Weaver, who played uh, the Professor Stanley or whatever. I swear to God, I thought he was um, the guy who played Doctor Hill from Reanimator. Oh. Mm. That's it looks crazy. like identical. Look, yeah, they do look a lot alike. I like the. I like the. Speaking of him, I like the idea that you've got one character named Stanley and another character named Dexter. If you had another character named Ward, he would have another Lovecraft connection. Boom. Boom. Oh, probably intentional. No, I think it was a total accident that they would you do think? shit like that. No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think this was a um I don't know. It's 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 a misfire. It takes too long and yeah, like like you said, the the plot his his idea of getting rid of his wife, I'll feed her to this thing that might be real. Um yeah. not Feed Miss Stanley. Not smart. <laughs> and it was ten minutes at the party of her griping at him. It's just like, come on man, get to the story. Yeah, I get it. If, like if true. that was the focus, then it should have just stayed there. Yeah. Or, you know, because... It kept going like the professor with the other math guy or the dude with a pencil protector in his pocket, whoever that guy was. That was way too prolonged, you know, especially <laughs> like when he wasn't – yeah, but he wasn't part of the central story, you know. If you're going to make this a short, shorter one, you're going to focus just on one thing. I felt like the focus was being drawn away too many different places. See, that was the only thing that I enjoyed. I felt like it had sort of a quartermass uh, vibe to it. See, now, I, I always – like you were saying, that, that first ten minutes at the party where we're really establishing Adrian Barbeau's character, if he had shot her in the face in the <laughs> middle of that party, nobody would have said a word except maybe yeah, thank you. And they would have all helped him throw her body into the pond or the lake, whatever, because she was so over-the-top obnoxious. Oh, yeah, for sure. The put-upon husband character. Yes, henpecked. Yeah, and <laughs> horrible term. Reminds me of those old Alfred Hitchcock present stories. Right? Yeah, why didn't he just like hit her in the head with a leg of lamb? <laughs> that would have been That's proven. End it. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, our last segment in Creep Show well, almost our last segment in Creep Show is called They're Creeping Up on You, which is the charming tale of a man and his pets which is not true at all. It's actually about a kind of Howard Hughes germaphobe who lives in a penthouse, and he's just a rotten, despicable person, and he's also got a bit of a bug problem. And, of course, the bugs are roaches. Um, I think more so than the other ones, this one really goes for the gross-out instead of being, I don't know, smart. Not that it's dumb, but it really does go for the gross-out because, you know, roaches are nasty. And this character is horrible. So, I don't know. What do you think of this one? This one's really kind of fatalistic to me. Sort of Brazil-like, the way that it was shot. and uh, with, all the, with all the whites? Yeah. 
and uh, you know, looking through the the uh, the door, the opening in the door, whatever that is called. My brain is not working. The keyhole, no. Yeah, like people. The people. People, yes, people. Yeah, the giant mouths and giant eyeballs. Yeah, metallic really felt voices. like Terry Gilliam. Hmm. Yeah, but it was before Terry Gilliam, so kind of weird. What but I didn't you? like it. No. <laughs> okay. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you cannot not like it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I take did, that did, back. Did you like it, Tommy? With me? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it was fun. I mean, it wasn't the best one in the in the bunch, but bugs freaked me out, so it definitely had like a creep factor to it. You know, um, the guy, uh, the actor for it was was good. I thought the bozo haircut was kind of over the top. <laughs> And, uh, but, you know, that was, that was fun. It's like, a, you know, despicable guy who looks upon the world from his perched loft, you know, and yeah. sees people as insects. And I thought the ending was a great, you know, I'm a big fan of old school practical effects, especially during the, you know, the eighties and, you know, Tom Savini, I think he did a fantastic job with that final scene where, yeah. you know, everything's fine. And then all of a sudden they're erupting from his body, you know? Yeah. It was kind of abrupt, but yeah, it, it it looked really good. It was fun. It's like one of those, you know, especially if you're not fond of bugs to begin with, and then you know, you're watching this, and you're just like, ugh. Especially cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cockroaches are, uh, they're just gross. Yeah. Yep. I just don't get why he didn't fucking stomp them right away. Instead of, once the first one ran away after he sprayed it, start stomping them. Yeah. I don't know if that was like a play on him being a germaphobe and not yeah. wanting to touch them. True, yeah, that makes sense. Now, was it supposed to, because I, I, I got like it it was psychological at some points, and then clearly from the end, it wasn't. Yeah, I think he just got overstressed and had a heart attack. So you think that was in his imagination? With the roaches? No. I don't know. Okay. It's, well, they're at the end. They're coming out of his body, so. Yeah, that's what I mean. Maybe there's some kind of like that's supernatural that's... element to it. Yeah, maybe. I think it was, it sounded like almost, thinking about it now, the woman, the last call he had with a woman, you know, they didn't really play that up, so you don't. You're kind of left guessing what her role is, but she's telling him that he should die, or hope you die, or something like that. And then he all of a sudden, uh, yeah. But then he's in his panic room listening to that phone call, and then all of a sudden the bugs are upon him, and he has a heart attack. That's true. Maybe it was a curse. Yeah, but they don't really play it up, so you're you're just pretty much guessing the whole time. Yeah. So you think that she was in she? You think he was in his panic room, and the woman. Of the guy that had committed suicide, like, sent all the roaches in New York <laughs> after him? Yeah. It wouldn't be beyond Stephen King's script writing. I mean, he had a story in uh, Night Shift about toy soldiers coming after yeah, coming after a, an assassin. <laughs> you That's <know>? true. <laughs> There's a really good yeah. story about roaches by Thomas Dish, too, that you should probably check out. It's oh, just yeah. called The Roaches, and it's Ooh. kind of similar to this. Yeah. But... <clears throat> Okay, that's that's interesting, huh? I don't think they should have given him a heart attack. I think he should have just been. If they're going to play up the supernatural, yeah, they should have, they should have had the bugs erupting out of him, and that's how he exactly. dies. Yeah. So like, I felt kind of let down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it became like a big let. It was it was a letdown then. I mean, it was creepy. Great scenes. The guy was horrible, but they didn't kill him quite properly. But the special effects were really good. So. But yep. still, a, but still a good way to end the cycle of stories. I think, yeah, it was the same story as Jordy Verrill, basically. Right, yeah. but it was a much bigger gross out. Right. Yeah. You know, the meaner. Jordy, 
Yeah, because Jordy Verrill ends, you know, with a putt-putt course blowing its own head off, and this one ends <laughs> with roaches erupting from an old man's torso, yeah, you know, basically eating their way out. So that's a good, it's a good horrible final vision to send the audience home with, unless you really want to count the uh, how, how the framing device ends up. Um, if last time we saw Billy and his dad. Um, <laughs> Dad had thrown away the comic book. Well, it's the next morning, and the garbage guys have found the comic book, and they're actually reading it. And one of those garbage men is Tom Savini. <clears throat> and they start going through the ads, but you know, looking at all the stuff that they could get. But someone's already sent away for that voodoo doll. Right? That's it. Angry Billy has put the hex on Daddy and is sticking the living shit out of him with a giant safety pin. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it, Dad. Um, you know, as far as framing devices go, this one's not bad. It's not yeah. great, but it's not it's not, it's not great, but it's not bad. I've seen way worse. Uh, Tales from the Dark Side yeah. movie comes to mind real fast. Yeah, that's that true. Yeah, that little boy locked in a closet and he has to tell the woman's stories. Oh, yeah, a little Scheherazade thing. Yeah, there. exactly. Uh, this one wasn't bad. It was just kind of, like, bizarre, you know? Like, well, Tom Atkins is uncredited in it, you know? And he's mustacheless, so it doesn't seem right. <laughs> Those <laughs> both are wrong. And I had to wonder, like, at the very beginning, like, do parents really care this much about their kids reading horror comic books? Yeah, that's one thing that didn't make sense. And he's got horror shit all over the room. And yeah. all the guy cares, all the father cares about is the creep show comic book. Yeah. When's, when's he going to grow up and grow out of this phase where he likes oh, magic? Salem's Lot, yeah. Well, if it was like, hey, you're not doing your homework because you're reading this comic book shit, I would have believed that more than, oh, this crap, you can't read comic or horror comics, you're going to become a I don't know, fiend or something. But it didn't really right. make sense just that. If it was like something else, like homework, he's not doing his homework, that would probably be more believable. Anything, anything. Also, Joe Hill. <laughs> I think he might be the worst child actor of all the child actors in Stephen King movies. No. I Is that unfair? Politely disagree with that assessment. He was alright. I think it was once you realize it's Joe Hill, you probably put a little bit more judgment on him. I didn't realize it was him until after when I was researching it. No, I like the smile. He's that... as corny as his dad, but his dad does it better. Yeah, I like I like the smile he gives the the creep out the window. I the think that's out. Whole, oh. Um, I don't hear him. No, I'm here. I was oh, I, I was talking. I was just muted because I'm a dumbass. Oh, um, I, <laughs> no, I I like the little smiles that that Joe gives the creep when he's outside the window. Yeah. Like, yay! <laughs> you're gonna come and I don't know if I can play with me like a spaniel. I don't know. Just yeah. <laughs> He, he already really... had the voodoo doll at that point, though, right? So why did he need the creep to show up? For moral extra... support? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Duh! Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that that pretty much takes care of Creep Show. We're going to come back and kind of wind things up after this word from our sponsors or something. We don't have sponsors. <laughs> this word from people that you should also listen to their show. Yeah, there you go. Let's use the most awkward possible sentence structure for that <laughs> outro. Black Horror Podcast. The podcast that will change your life forever.
That is not what, that's not, no. Intense. This is going to be filled with spoilers. So insightful that you will question your place in the universe. I don't like gore. Mind blowing. Repetition of the repetition. Is that a word? That is now a word. Inspiring. It's almost like a little advertisement. Life changing. It's one of two things all the way through. Either predictable or stupid. Black Anna's Horror Podcast. Exclusively available on the Legion Podcast Network. We're back on Screen Kings talking about Creep Show. Gentlemen, what's the best segment of the film? Somebody Pretty just jump in. <laughs> One vote for Jordy. And half uh, of, and first half of uh, something to tide you over. Yeah, I agree there too. That you know, Jordy was the, I think the the best one in there, just because it's such a good balance of comedy, horror, and King over the top um, acting. And then you know, something to tide you over is a close second. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that too. Um, <gasps> we're all the ingredients. I know. We thought we were gonna have a fight. I really was. I was expecting it. I know what's coming. There's gonna come a time on this show where we'll get into it, and I don't know oh, yeah. what it's gonna be over. So, <laughs> well, I will say, like for like the overall, that looking at what King writes and what Romero has directed in the past, I would probably anticipate something like if I hadn't seen it, I was watching it for the first time. Um, something more dark, you know, considering Romero's uh, zombie trilogy and, of course, King with his characters. I wouldn't expect a horror comedy from them. No. So and that's, was... I think that was mostly the criticism when this first came out was that a lot of people were anticipating something, like, really dreadful, and then they got Leslie Nielsen humming while drowning Ted Danson's <laughs> hair. Well, they got dreadful, but just a different kind of dreadful. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Sing. <laughs> They got Looney Tunes instead of EC Comics is basically it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I respect their nod to EC Comics and Tales from the Crypt and um, Vault of Horror, you know, that they tried to pull off. And they definitely had cut scenes where the lighting was trying to be a little artistic. But it was a fun. A I, but I would have, you know, something darker. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think once I realized, and of course, you know, I, I did see this in the theater. Once I realized what they were doing, that it was going to be like an EC homage, I was perfectly cool with it having really cheesy endings. And the only thing I was expecting was more bad puns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, but they were less cheesy than that, though. There were some cheesy ones, but I remember a lot of really dark EC comic stories. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I was pretty – I'm happy with it overall. So do you think do you think the movie captures the feel of the old DC Comics all right, or do you still think uh, this should have been way darker? Because that's an interesting complaint about the movie to me. Um, Duncan, you want to go first on that one? I'd say a little less of the corniness. And the 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 uh, transitions with the comic book stuff, that didn't work for me at all. It just took dissolved all of the horror out of the movie. Wow, okay. Um. I mean, looking at it again, you know, it, it, well, it was an entertaining movie, and I do respect the nod to the old school EC comics. I think a part of part of the problem for me is, you know, I respect you know Romero's zombie trilogy. You know, I'm a Romero purist, I guess, in King's old writing. You know, not anything recent, too modern. Um, 
but also, I, you know, sometimes I get horror com- blended and confused with mystery and thriller, and that there's more, you know, open space for horror to to, to invite in some of the entertaining wackiness. Oh, definitely. Tales from the Dark Side did that well. Yeah, but it was it was entertaining and fun. It's just not expected from these two names. Yeah, cut a half hour, and I would have loved it. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so on a scale of one to five. Uh, how many cans of Miller High Life do we give this movie? <laughs> All the cans. <laughs> I'll give it three. Yeah, three. Well, well, darn, I hate to mirror, but I'm afraid I rate it the same. Three out of five cans of Miller High Life. Delicious, delicious nectar of the gods. That is the champagne of beers, I'll have you know. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm going to go three and a half. I think I liked it a little bit better than y'all did, but yeah. I may have had lowered expectations, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. I try not to be too much of a critic, especially when it comes to horror, but I don't know. Does, those two names, Romero King, like you would expect. The dark half. Really, yeah. You would expect something really gruesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, Creep Show. Um, if you've listened to this show at all, you have learned one very simple thing about the three of us, and that is that all of our books are on Amazon. <clears throat> all of our books are on Amazon. I feel it's, it's like a mantra. Um, so <laughs> if you would like to find, you know, the books that that we have written, look for Duncan Ralston, look for Thomas S. Flowers III, look for Jeffrey X. Martin. We are all on Amazon, and Amazon <laughs> is on all of us. You must buy. Yes, consume. <laughs> consume fiction. Anything else we need to say about this movie before we split? No. Uh, I'm looking forward to Creepshow 2. Even the hair that's getting him laid and paid segment. <laughs> Let's see. What's on the next one? Cujo's next. Cujo's Cujo, next. Yeah. Nice. Meaning. Mimi, Mimi. I haven't seen Cujo since. VHS days, so this should be fun. Yeah, it's been a good 20 years since I've seen Cujo, so I'm looking forward to that too. So you go. Next episode will be episode 5, and we'll be talking about, oh, that poor dog who got bitten on the nose by a rabid bat and then tried to kill the kid from Who's the Boss? (laughs) Cujo! (laughs) Until next time, um, hey, this is Screen Kings. We'll talk to you later. We'll talk at you more specifically. You're just listening. (laughs) Yeah. Bye. Bye.